Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 421. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 421. Our first sponsor thanks today goes to Johnny's Selected Seeds, an employee-owned company that provides our industry the best flower, herb, and vegetable seeds supplied to farms large and small, and even backyard cutting gardens like mine. Find the full catalog of flower seeds and bulbs at johnnysseeds.com. And check out my past articles featuring the wisdom and voices of flower farmers. You can find the links at deborahprinzing.com in today's show notes. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with Julie Schiedler of Celebrate the Season in Bend, Oregon. Listen for my conversation with Julie in the second portion of this episode. But first, you are invited to join my fun conversation with two fascinating talents and frequent collaborators, Patience Pickner and Ace Berry. Patience and Ace are both business owners and educators. Both are award-winning designers and members of AIFD. They travel the country with the goal of inspiring other floral artists to be the very best versions of themselves. Ace Berry, AIFD, PFCI, and TMF is from the Houston area, and he's the owner of Full Shear Floral Design Gifts and Decor in Full Shear, Texas. An early experience delivering flowers as a teenager returned Ace to the profession after he was laid off from an oil industry job in 2007. He devoted himself to his lifelong passion, creating beautiful flower arrangements to make people happy. And 12 years later, Ace was named the 2019 Texas Floral Designer of the Year. He's known for his high style, and he specializes in wedding designs and funeral pieces. Patience Pickner, AIFD, PFCI, and SDCF is from Chamberlain, South Dakota, a picturesque little town nestled on the banks of the Missouri River. She owns the Picket Fence, a full-service florist and gift shop outside of Sioux Falls, which specializes in romantic weddings and organic sympathy and everyday designs. Patience purchased a failing flower shop in 1998 and quickly turned it around by specializing in great customer service, fresh flowers, and unique designs, and by adding a large selection of home decor and accents. The Picket Fence is now a destination boutique in central South Dakota, with over 4,000 square feet of showroom. Patience has been active with South Dakota Floral Association, serving on the board for many years, currently as immediate past president. 
She's also the past president for the Min Dakota unit of Teleflora and is currently the past president-elect for the North Central Chapter of AIFD. Patience has been awarded the South Dakota Floral Association's Designer of the Year three times. She was inducted into the AIFD and PFCI in 2011 and is also an AIFD Certified Judge and Evaluator. Patience and Ace co-founded Inspired Design, a design team that spreads their love and passion of floral art across the country through their educational floral boot camps, retreats, stage programs, and hands-on classes. I'm delighted that Inspired Design has joined Slow Flowers as a member and that Ace and Patience share my passion for promoting local, seasonal, and domestic flowers to their students. Please visit DebraPrincing.com today to see photos of Patience and Ace and to see a sneak peek of their recent Inspired Design Retreat held in South Dakota this past August. I'll also share links to their social places so you can find and follow these two passionate educators. Let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so delighted today to introduce Patience Pickner. Hi, Patience. Hi, Deborah. And Ace Berry. Hi, Ace. Hello, how are you? I think you'll be able to tell their voices apart. <laughs> uh, they're both AIFT designers who I got to meet last year, I think, when we were at we're in Washington, D.C., was it? That's the, the Philly Flower oh, Show. Oh, the Philly Flower, Flower Show. Show yes. so no, no memory at all. <laughs> I know we were in a restaurant with Kelly Shore. Yes. Um, uh, and you together own Inspired Design, and I'm delighted that um, you've gotten involved with Slow Flowers. So we are all here at SAF, and I thought, can we just record a little little introdu- introductory in, uh, episode about you two and, and hear your stories? So... First of all, you're in different states and you have different businesses. So talk about that first and then how you came together to start Inspired Design. Patience, you're in South Dakota, right? Right. I'm in South Dakota. I have a flower shop and home decor store and I've been in business 22 years. How can that be? I know. I started when I was like 12. Oh my so. God, I believe it. And, it. and I love the name Picket Fence. Picket Fence. That yes. kind of says home and garden, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. So we're kind of centrally located kind of a rural area, so we're the go-to for not just flowers, but gifts, home decor, all of that sort of very necessity. Well, where is Chamberlain? Is it outside of um, the major city? or? Yeah, right. Well, there's really only two major cities in South Dakota, but we're right in the center of the state, right on I-90 and on the Missouri River, so it's a beautiful little town. Oh, wow. I yeah. want to come visit someday. Wow. Okay. And Ace, you're a Texas boy by by, by birth or just migration? By migration, actually. Okay. I, was, I moved to Texas when I was nine months old. Okay. Um, you didn't really have a choice. No, did not have a choice, <laughs> but I'm Texan, everything else. Yeah, yeah. So you own a, a retail shop or a studio? I own a retail store. It's a retail slash gift store. It's actually modeled after the picket fence. How cool. Um, I was lucky enough to meet her before I bought my store. Wow. And just, it made sense. And it's called Full Sheer. Am I pronouncing it right? Full Sheer Floral Design. Full Sheer. And I was thinking it was like a real, like hybrid word, like the like you're, you're <laughs> trimming boxwood or something, but <laughs> it's the name of the city, of the town. Yes. So actually the... The town got its name because they he was one of Stephen F. Austin's original 300 settlers for Texas. Oh, my goodness. Are you in the Austin area, right? No, no, no. So I'm in the Houston area, and it's outside of Houston. Churchill Fulcher 
was who founded the town. Oh, interesting. That's yeah. close-ish to Austin. I mean, it's like two, two hours. hours. Yeah, two yeah, hours. yeah. Cool. So, did you guys meet through AIFG, or how did you meet and become friends? You're Works. like you're like work spouses, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. He's my floral husband for sure. <laughs> the story differs. We met like seven, eight years ago. Um, when I tell it, I rescued him at the airport. When he tells it, he rescued me at the airport. But. Either way, we had like an eight-hour layover, and we just started talking. We were both headed to uh, Burbank. Uh, Burbank for a flower event, mm-hmm. and so we just started talking, and we were so similar in like our passion, and and passion not just for the floral industry, but for education mm-hmm. and for learning and teaching and growing, and um, hmm. we just kind of started talking about how cool it would be to form a partnership and it just kind of morphed. It was sort of an organic type of thing. Don't you think Ace? Yes, it really was. Um, she, I credit her for pretty much everything I've gotten in the industry because she has been my mentor. But I'm the wind between Ace's wings. <laughs> he hates it when I say that. He's glaring at me yes. right now. <laughs> um, it, she really as long was. as he doesn't think, try to imply that you're way older than him <laughs> or something. Right. No, he does that. <laughs> um, she was really the one that kind of took interest in me and kind of molded me uh, and kind of We all me need somebody back. like that. Yes, she was instrumental in pretty much everything I've done in the industry. She has been the one that's kind of said, hey, this is what the way I did it. You don't have to do it this way, but this is where I've either failed or where I've succeeded. So I've kind of, hmm. I haven't had all the hardships that a lot of flower mm-hmm. shops have had because I've had her. Yeah. So. But having a mentor, especially who's not in your market, is like, I feel like that takes away any ish- issues of competition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would say. Yeah. No, we're still competitive <laughs> okay. to each other. So how long have you had your shop base? So I bought my store three years, a little over three years ago. Okay. I've been in the industry since I was 27. So before that, you were uh, freelancing or had a de- mm. design studio? or um, No, I, saw, I started at a, when I was in high school, I delivered flowers. And then I didn't do anything with flowers for about 10 years. Like nothing at all. And when I got laid off from the oil field, I went back to flowers and worked for a, just a 25 year old shop and wow, someone that would give me a chance and wow. went from there. Two, two different aromatic industries, one not so great and one fabulous. Oh yeah. They were, they were <laughs> night and day, but <laughs> I, I always tell people, I love what I do. So I would, I could never consider ever doing anything else anymore. Yeah. So. Yeah. You're in. Mm-hmm. But how, invested. Cool, how cool that you kind of knew a little bit about the industry from being a delivery kid. I'll tell you exactly what I knew. I knew that people liked me when I dropped off flowers, they would smile at me. Mm-hmm. That's literally how I, what I mm-hmm. deemed was the industry. I didn't know anything other than that. I was like, so when you met, um, at, at this airport, depending on who was, who met whom, um, and you started the friendship where you both inducted into AIFD at the time? I Yeah, I had, I was AIFD and PFCI both. And Ace tells the story. He's like, what is this girl from nowhere, South Dakota, have all these initials that I want? And I'm like, hey. <laughs> she, that, Don't pick on South Dakotans, right? right? Yeah. But I, he, he had the, I mean, he had the desire and then the drive to reach all those goals. I have to really quick, because you're saying so many nice things about me, Ace, I have to say something about my mentor, Patrick Gusta. Patrick, I know you'll listen to this, and I love you. Pat, what's Patrick's last name? Gusta. Okay, and where's he? He um, was a, he owned a flower shop mm. in Sioux Falls, South Dakota mm. for 30, 40 years. He's mm. retired now, mm-hmm. but he was AAF. He was AAF as well. But, you know, that whole idea of, um, 
being mentored and then being able to pay it forward. You oh, know, I believe in that too. That's wonderful. Um, okay, so where did inspired design come from? You talked about wouldn't it be cool to do something together, but you're not physically in the same area. So how did you create this business and what is the business? So inspired design started, I'll tell you the airport. It started in Denver, Colorado. Okay. In the airport. Okay. When we first met, um, we ended up having to fly to Burbank together and just being able to chat and to kind of talk about how things were going, what we were going to do and how we were going to do it. And it was just kind of hopes and dreams at that point. And then the deeper our friendship got, the more we knew it's like, this is going to happen. It kind of started as stage programs. Stage programs. And then it and morphed that. into, like in the Midwest, there's not a lot of education opportunities mm-hmm. like there maybe is in other areas of the United States. So um, a wholesaler there really um, was excited about our passion and um, wanted us to kind of be a part of their education process. So we do like three boot camps a year mm. at the wholesale. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a big start for us. And, and then, yeah. is that in Sioux Falls? Yes, okay. Sioux Falls. Yep. And when you say, um, well, basically you became like their education department, but it was just you created part the content. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And they were so good. They are so good to us, North American awesome. Wholesale. Woo-woo. But, and so then, like, uh, we start doing stage programs and other wholesalers and other, you know, associations see you mm-hmm. and then they ask you to come. So mm-hmm. it just, it's kind of an organic thing, but we've been having a blast. And yeah. I will tell you that most of our students, once they've taken a class from us, they come back for more classes because we have so much fun. It's, and we definitely, it's a lot about education, but it's also about networking and sharing. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like, Truly, truly, our students learn as much from each other as right. they learn from Ace and I. Because you're creating this intimate in, um, one or two day or three day experience, right? right? Um, when you say boot camp, what is that exactly? Because that, that means things to different people. <laughs> right. So the boot camps are more class, no classroom based. <laughs> They're more classroom based and it's a lot of information very rapidly. Okay. Um, so if someone is new to the profession, this would be the way new. to get immersed. Or even if they just want to be rejuvenated, revitalized, mm-hmm. it's you're, you're just pumping in information. And you're trying to make sure that they leave there re-inspired and with this new love for the industry that they've either lost or they're, you know, yeah. just, just needing something. Got burned out or jaded or exactly. just tired. And um, it was, are they one-day workshops? Those were usually about two days. Okay. They were usually wow. two days. It's a lot of material then. Yeah, it was pumped in there. And just not to pick on any facet of the floral industry, but uh, do the students come from a specific like retail, or is it kind of across across the gamut? It seems like we usually it's have really anywhere from board. fifteen to twenty five students, and I will say from three months to thirty years, it's mm. very in experience. In experience, yeah. right? Wow. Then there were even flower shops to event planning. There, I mean, it was a real walk of different areas. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So. But united by kind of wanting to. But united by loving flowers. Yeah, and getting That's kind the, of this new new perspective or maybe. And we have different <clears throat> topics for our boot camps. You know, we have a sympathy one. We have a wedding one. We have a competition and certification one. Um, we're working on a beginner's one because we've been asked over and over and over to, you know, just the basics of floral mm-hmm. design. Mm-hmm. 
to get that going. So that's something that we're working on, but we have a lot of different topics. And is it, you mainly doing it with this one wholesaler or you move it around the Midwest or? I would say other, mainly with the yeah. one wholesaler, but we'd love to move it around the Midwest. But like back to what you said about maybe a fewer opportunities in, geographically, you're drawing from many states, it sounds right. like. Yeah, like eight or nine states. Yeah. Our last one was nine states, but yeah, we've throughout the Midwest. Well, you reached out to me, patients, after the three of us met at a restaurant in Philadelphia <laughs> during... The Continental. Were, and it was, it was during the, and the World Cup. Yep. The World That's Cup. why yes. I was there. Yeah, it's all coming back to me now. Yes, it was the Continental Restaurant. Mm-hmm. Sorry, um, sorry, I have a crazy good memory. No, that was a great <laughs> restaurant. Um, and you reached out and then said, you know, hey, can I tell you about this, this retreat we're doing? And I want you to t- describe it because it just took place in August. Is that the first inspired design retreat in that model that you have done for your through the through your business? Yes, that was our first retreat and it was amazing. We learned a lot. We'll change a little bit. Um, but it it was really cool how it just grew. Okay, so tell me about like where did you get the idea? Um, we just, you know, there's been a lot of retreats starting to happen and we really wanted to bring that love of education but also to make it more about, you know, florists, just like any profession, sometimes you get in a rut and you're yeah. doing the same thing over and over mm-hmm. and over. And sometimes you just want to design for your soul. Like yeah. you just want to design for the art of it, the feel of it, the love of it. And so we kind of wanted it to be about that. But of course, we couldn't have something without education thrown in. And then uh, social media was a huge part of it. We mm-hmm. wanted to make sure that the attendees would leave with tons and tons of social media content. But the big part for us was that we really wanted it to be all locally grown, American grown flowers. And Right, which is why you reached out to me. And I was fascinated by that because I know owning retail shops, you are sourcing from the globe. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily Mm -hmm. possible. It's probably... An extreme future, maybe that will happen. But for now, in terms of availability, you know, you're you're not able to. I'm guessing you're not able to do all Texas grown or all South Dakota grown in your in your retail, just on the sheer volume of what you're doing, right? Right. Right. But what what struck a chord with you about the idea of of local and domestic? Um, Well, we're a very agricultural state, Mm -hmm. and so just the whole field to table, farm to table, that's a big movement in our Mm -hmm. state. And I wanted to carry that through with the floral part of it. I don't know. There's just something really, really cool about designing with all locally yes, grown flowers. I believe it. You're talking to the, the, the converted over here. <laughs> um, well, it, it, it intrigued me. And it intrigued me because, um, like I said, not to put you guys in a particular category, but I kind of had the, these assumptions like, oh, they're AIFG. They're not going to care about local. And obviously, I've been proven wrong by you two and, and by others. And, and I'm delighted. And I, I'm wondering if it's, there's just this unique, of, you know, unique varieties or super fresh or like the attributes that make it more exciting for a designer. I mean, how did, how did you sell it? Did you, did you play that up a little bit? A little bit, but I think there's so many varieties of flowers, but some of them, I'm going to just throw out a few, like maybe zinnias, dahlias, that sort of thing that they just don't ship well. Right. And right. Yeah, to be able to use so much better on your on those anemones. What are the, some of the local things that you really see a lot of? So my the locals that I get, 
I get dahlias, nemones, ranunculus, celosia, and zinnias. My zinnias that I get from my local wholesaler will last three, four days, mm-hmm. you know, and that, to me, that's just not good. Right. So I, I don't buy them. Right. Well, my local guy, when I first met him, he brought them in and they're lasting three weeks. So it's crazy to me, like it just made, and it just, it was just a no brainer. Like a value proposition in. for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, and he, I mean, where everybody else is playing, paying whatever amount for a plate size dahlia, I'm paying not an astronomical amount for it. And I'm getting to use them in everyday arrangements where people are getting to see the beauty of these exquisite flowers right, that right. you normally wouldn't get or they're for events or for this. And now I'm getting to put them in, in everyday arrangements and shipping them out. That's so, so cool. I thought that was like the big push for even with American growing, supporting your local economy, um, you know, cutting down a little bit on your carbon footprint, right. all of that stuff that plays into it. And even people that don't, think about that a lot when you bring it up and you discuss it they start thinking about it and they start feeling good about that and themselves and and maybe like you said no one can do all locally grown probably but you can maybe do a little more right no i agree i there are a few hardcore people who are doing within a 200 mile radius but they have spent years developing their sources that's the other thing it, like like oh, ace yeah. you're alluding to you went out and cultivated these relationships and convince these people to grow more for you mm-hmm. and it takes a lot of work yeah uh, so my guy his name is chase he owns vintage farming in in and around the Fulcher area and he has the most beautiful dahlias i've ever mm. seen i gotta meet this guy he is great so he is trying now to grow garden roses and i'm just like hey i'm your guy I'm, yeah i, I <laughs> yeah. want them but you know and he's now he's trying to figure out the whole shipping process of when he gets everything up and going. It's just to support local grown people. That's people that buy from you. Yeah. So even like I view it as these are the people that are going to keep me around for the next 50 years. So I'm going to support them. I try mm. to do everything I can that's in my community Yeah. and leave my money in my community I love because that. it's going to come back to me. Yeah. And I mean, kind of Chamberlain where she's at. She's almost forced to do it. So it's, <laughs> but me, I mean, I have Houston literally a stone throw away, but I still I want to support all the people that support sure. me every day, day in, day out. That's part of your brand. Yeah, I mean, I, just, I think that lots of times we get so sucked in that we can go to a department store and just pick out what we want or and just grab it. Now you, it's kind of like this is my little thing that I can – Absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, just in my own life, living in Seattle, our whole city is um, seduced into the Amazon instant gratification, uh, click and order, and it's hand-delivered to your front door the next day. And so you do have to back up and say, wait a minute, can I go to the um, farmer's market and buy a really cool piece of pottery from a local artisan rather than ordering something that is just, you know, mass produced? Mm -hmm. It's, if we can weave that through all of our practices and... Uh, you know, even you two as educators bring up that high option mm-hmm. to your students. Um, yeah, I think we're all going to stay on this planet longer. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So, in, in the the retreat happened. Tell me a little bit about the retreat. It was was it three days? It was three days. Um, yeah, we I think we all met, kind of did a little meet and greet on a Wednesday night, and then the retreat was Thursday, Friday, Thursday, Friday Saturday. Wow. Saturday night was kind of cool. We had a 
runway show and the, the model. We had 18 models and they all had floral couture, really cool bouquets. We I call my customers civilians or people that aren't in the floral <laughs> I world. Know, I love that. I call them civilians. <laughs> so we invited the civilians and we had... Filled the barn, you know, it was a very cool um, year old venue, 100-year-old barn, but we filled the barn to capacity. It was 150, um, and they were just blown away. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Did you charge, or did you just we invite them? We did charge. Yes, okay. we did charge. Um, we had, a, of course, field-to-table dinner, mm-hmm. locally sourced beef, beef vegetables, wine, wine, vegetables, desserts, everything. And it was just a really cool, fun night, uh, mostly ladies, but there were some husbands there as well, and they... I mean, still, they're just coming up to me and saying, when are you doing this again? I didn't know you could do that kind of thing with flowers. And so it was fun because I leave my shop a lot to do different things. And it was fun for me to have a lot of my customers there and for them to then know, oh, this is what she does when she's gone, you know. Something a little bit more artistic or um, certainly theatrical as well mm-hmm. you chose to do it at the, the was the whole workshop at this barn venue yes okay and is it like a wedding venue kind right. of place it's probably a place you've worked with before they're actually a brand new venue oh, so wow. it was like a win-win because mm-hmm. they wanted to promote themselves and we wanted a place to have our yeah. event and so it worked really well for both of us so um we're going to write about this actually for the for Florist Review, um, which people will be able to read that article in December. So I haven't really interviewed you about that, but I'm just curious. The students who came, how did you work them through the curriculum? Would, did you like do certain um, projects every day? Because you said that you were going to let people do design just for the art of it. So yeah. how do you semi-structure it? Well, they got a schedule. But the very first day, um, we just all met at the river. Mm. My, my husband manages the marina on the Missouri down the river. river. Yeah, and you did what? We floated down the river. We floated down the to river. where <laughs> we were going to do a style oh, shoot on wow. the Missouri River. I saw so that wow. in the photos. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. that's a real big part of your community, right? Huge. So we did a little river cruise. We had mimosas and ate breakfast, <laughs> and then we just pulled up into this shore and the models were there and the flowers were there their hair and makeup was done and there was five models and we split the students into five groups they knew nothing at this point and I and we said here's your flowers here's your model you do whatever you want you have two hours and they had so much fun and the models were amazing they're like do whatever I'll do it I'll get it in the water I'll you know you can smear mud all over me I don't care so it was <laughs> No structure. It was so much fun, and they just came up with so many cool sh- shots. You've seen some of yes, the pictures. Yes, but I didn't really quite know the backstory. So yeah. you, um, how many people were in each group designing as a team? Um, three to four. Okay. So everybody felt like they had input. and right. Wow. And then they were creating headpieces, um, Whatever they wanted, body pieces, they styled the models. Everything. There was like riverbank, there was river, there was um, kind of marshy area, there were some really cool shale areas. And so I said, just put your models wherever. Oh, and then they like art directed that. Yes. So they each had a photographer that would like shoot what they. And it was it was a cool thing for most of them had never experienced anything like that. Yeah, it sounds a little like. Uh, if it was, I was in that situation, I would just like panic. Like, what am I going to do? But then on the other hand, you have to just push yourself to, yeah. was, to rise to the occasion. 
It was a, it was amazing. I actually did not get to get there on time. I had a family emergency, mm. so I flew up the next morning. Mm-hmm. And well, then the party really started ace, right? Right. The party did start as soon as I got there. I was like, all right, what are we doing? What are we working on? Um, the next day was at the hundred year old barn, and we mm. were reno- not renovating; we were transforming it. So putting flowers everywhere you could think about putting flowers. So centerpieces and wall flowers. The large installs and <laughs> yes. just teaching students like, you know, especially in small town South Dakota or small town Minnesota, Iowa, North Dakota, you know, Nebraska, Wyoming, all these, you don't do these huge um, events sure. very often. Right. And so sometimes Not like a- you look at that stuff and go, I wonder how they do that. So, right. Um, it was fun for all of them to just really experience that. And yet there were pieces of all of that decor, event decor, that could be translated, you know, just take one one of those ideas and translate it to mm-hmm. your own your own hometown, yeah. where right. your clients are. Gosh, we weren't, done, we weren't even, it was a week later, one of our students, um, they posted on our Inspired Design page on Facebook, and they're like, Thank you so much. What I learned in the class, I did this wedding arch and my customer is over the moon excited and I'm so excited because I wouldn't have known how to do it uh, oh my gosh. profitably right. without the knowledge that you gave us. Oh, so. profitably. So you talked about how oh, do you yes. price this? Oh, yes. That's huge for both Ace and I. Um, it does no good to make pretty things if you're not pricing it right, selling it right, promoting it, marketing it. So that's a huge part of all of our classes. Mm. So day one was on the river, day two was in the barn, and then was the fashion show and the dinner on day three? Day yep. three. Wow. At the barn. Wow. That's built amazing. A, had a runway built, had photographers, had models, yeah, they music, all had they to all do did stuff. One bridal bouquet that was like runway worthy, so mm. kind of over the top. I saw that in the photos, yeah. yeah. And then they all had to do one additional runway piece that could be a dress, a headpiece, a scarf, whatever, and they had so much fun. Did either of you get to design or did you kind of just take a back seat? <laughs> I did one, I think she did one. I had, a, I had grand Two. plans of doing several <laughs> really cool ones in my head. They were amazing, but then we just kind of ran out of time. But yeah. We got a couple done each. I, oh, that's cool. I yeah. traveled with mine and then so mine was pretty much done except for florals oh like you had done the mechanics before the mechanics were done except for the the paint and stuff like that that i had to add onto it but Mm. it was it was pretty nice so how many students participated all together was there 16 or 17 17 okay you feel like that's a good size yes yep yep we actually had a third um designer that was coming to take the class but she's like an international educator so it was kind of cool that she wanted to take our class but she was coming anyhow so when ace's emergency came up i'm like hey girl you want to be a teacher the first day yeah, it, <laughs> it really did say yes yeah, which was really nice because then she felt comfortable kind of i, I feel like she was very helpful yeah. um, jumping in the rest of the other yeah. two days too yeah and she's very knowledgeable so well kind of goes back to what you said about how everybody learns from each other and you know, 100%. unexpected connections are made. There's probably a future patience and ace team that's going to come out of this group of people, you know, and do their own thing. Right. We, you match made a little bit. We've seen one that's pretty kind of trying to get it started in Texas. We saw them in Vegas and they were trying. Hmm. So. It's, yeah. It's so much fun to see our students, past students, present students in there testing for AIFD and they're thinking about PFCI and they're doing contests and it's just makes you feel like mama bear a little bit. You're so proud. (laughs) Well, um, PFCI we've talked about and, um, it, 
it turns out that that is something that interested me too. So it's Professional Floral Communicators International and yes. Patience, you've been in, involved for many years, right? right. Yes, I have. And um, Ace, you are getting inducted, inducted with today you. with me. Yes, we're going to get our little pins and we get to learn the secret handshake, right? Yes. Well, if, if we don't know, we're just going to make our own. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> How would you describe the organization, Patience? I'll, I'll get the actual description and put it on our show notes, but um, what is, is it... Obviously, people who are in some communications aspect in floristry, right? Right. And I think just being knowledgeable about some aspect of the floral industry, whether it's design, growing, sourcing, transportation, mm-hmm. wholesalers, and not just being knowledgeable about it, but being able to speak about it and share and educate. To me, that's what PFCI is. Yeah. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be a designer, but... You, yeah. in the industry. Well, that's sort of how I felt like I qualified as a, as a journalist. Oh, 1,000%. So, yes. so um, I'm excited to hang with you guys a little bit more and, and, and have some, you know, I, I'm going to have a lot to learn and hopefully something to share. Uh, before we wrap up, I want to talk about when is the next Inspired Design Retreat? What are you cooking up next? Because obviously this was uh, gauged a very big success. So the next one, we've just finalized the dates. And the uh, the venue, it's going to be March 30th through April 1st at High Point Estates in Georgetown, Texas, which is right outside of Austin. It's okay. a stone's throw away. So, so kind of moving from patient's backyard to mm-hmm. your backyard. Yes. It's a brand new venue. Um, the owner's name is Dawson Clark. He's part of the, the Texas State Floral Association. That's how I've met him. Oh, cool. And uh, just started telling him kind of about the retreat, and he, he just... He was very excited about it, and I sent him the photos, said, hey, this is what it looked like. Are you still interested? And he sent me a thing back within probably 10 minutes, said yes. Wow. <laughs> and just started discussing everything, and it's going to be it's gonna be really a good one. That's exciting. Are you going to try to do domestic and local flowers we again? Are. We are. We are definitely trying to stay with the locally grown. Um, I don't know how it's, if it's going to work all the way locally grown, but yeah. that's definitely what we want yeah. to do first and There's, foremost. Texas is such a freaking big state, and I keep <laughs> wondering where are all the Slow Flowers members in the state, but every couple months someone joins, mm-hmm. and they're all micro farms, they're boutique farms, yes. uh, but there's some established farms who've been involved for quite a while, like Cuts of Color, and um, you know, I, I'm happy to help you find some, some local Ooh. folks, but some of you got your, your, your main dude is going to be I'm, very involved. Oh uh, yeah. He, I've talked to him about it. He's like, you just tell me what you need. He grows great ranunculus. So he's like, you just, that time know. of year will be fabulous. Yeah. But the thing is then when you have this beautiful photography of this ex- exciting event, if, whether it's used in a trade magazine like Florist Review or in something more consumer facing, if that narrative is shared it changes people's assumptions mm-hmm. about these aren't just farmers market flowers these are used by professional designers right. um i feel like that helps just move everything forward for for success in the future for getting more farms producing flowers at the level that you know mm-hmm. progressive florists want to use and right. event florists and wedding florists so it's, i think it benefits uh, both the designer and the farmer to see the kind of work coming out of in the inspired design retreats, yeah. getting it shared. I can tell you kind of like how Chase has explained it to me that those flowers are his babies. Mm-hmm. And I, when he told me that, like when I very first met him and he told me that, I was just like, 
my arrangements are my babies. Right. So right. it was definitely like the connection was there. It's like, I want to highlight your flowers in my arrangements yeah. all the time. And he wants to grow beautiful flowers, mm -hmm. so you will do that. Yes. So it's mutual. So it was just one of those things that, and I think when you have that, so it just creates such a cohesive environment mm. of beauty. And so that's what mm. I, I'm really pushing for us to have that. That's so. wonderful. It's a unique niche to um, see happen, especially in the kind of, I, I would say, um, you're not farmer florists. You're, you're truly coming at this as professional designers and educators. That I think is a brand you got to hang on to because you're doing it. In your own with your own spin and it's yeah. exciting well thank you we're excited yeah. about it yeah. it's just it's a very cool thing awesome well was, thank you both so much i i better go get changed you're already <laughs> dressed so we're gonna go have our <laughs> our champagne toast and our secret handshake yes I'm um, learn it fast. can we real quick just say thank you to all of our amazing sponsors sure go for it um cow flowers was just instrumental in all the beautiful product they sent us all california that area grown mm -hmm. Beautiful, beautiful flowers. Lenbush roses, yep. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yep. They're oh, let me. They're Austral. They're Gerbers. <laughs> they're roses. Everything. Um, accent decor. Accent decor. Smithers Oasis. Smithers Oasis. Design master. Design master. Uh, Floral Green Farmers of Florida. Yep. Yep. The Green Palace wedding the Green menu. Palace. Arctic Alaskan mm, peonies. Are we forgetting anyone? I'm trying to think. I don't believe that. Well, a lot of Slow Flowers friends in that list, so I'm oh, really good. delighted. Yeah, I'm <laughs> delighted to hear that. And um, we will leave this on the on the interview. And if you send me an email and say you forgot somebody, we'll put them in the show notes at <laughs> DebraPrinzing.com for this episode. So no one will be uh, uh, overlooked. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you both so much. I Thank really you. enjoyed Thank it. Thank you. Thank I'm you so much. delighted it's worked out. Thanks so much for joining my conversation with Ace and Patience. Right after we recorded this interview on September 28th, both Ace and I were inducted into the Society of American Florists Professional Floral Communicators International, joining Patience and dozens of others who previously achieved this credential. For me, the recognition of being included in PFCI means having a platform to educate and encourage others to embrace the Slow Flowers movement especially those in the broader floral profession and marketplace who may only recently have learned that domestic, local, and seasonal flowers and sustainable design practices are an important business niche for them. As we discussed, Ace and Patience have just announced their newest inspired design retreat, which will take place March 30th through April 1st at High Point Estate in Liberty Hill, Texas, outside Austin. And yes, Texas-grown flowers will be showcased along with other U.S.-grown blooms and botanicals at that workshop series. Follow a link in today's show notes for more details. Our next sponsor thanks goes to the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. Formed in 1988, ASCFG was created to educate, unite, and support commercial cut flower growers. Its mission is to help growers produce high-quality floral material and to foster and promote the local availability of that product. Learn more at ASCFG.org. Now, let's visit Oregon and meet 
Julie Schiedler, who owns Celebrate the Season, along with her husband, Dwayne. They call their business a flower garden nursery, and it's located in the beautiful destination and tourist community of Bend. I was lucky enough to visit Bend this past August, tagging along on a business trip with my husband, Bruce. And of course, I invited myself to meet Julie and Dwayne and to see their flowers and design studio, where we recorded this Oregon Spotlight as part of our 2019 50 States of Slow Flowers series. Have a listen. Hey, I'm so excited today to uh, return to the 50 States of Slow Flowers series that we're doing for 2019. And today we are talking about Oregon. And my guest is Julie Schiedler of Celebrate the season in Bend, Oregon, and we just had an amazing tour of your cutting garden and your growing space and your design studio, so thank you for welcoming me, and thanks for being this, being oh, here with me. it's um, a pl- pleasure to have you here. Well, okay, so Celebrate the Season, what a great name, Julie, and I, I think we met um, uh, at an ASCFG Michigan. conference. Yeah, but we had emailed before, each, before yeah, that, but yeah. we met in person. And we're like, hey, we're Northwesterners, and you, you've invited me to Bend before, and I finally followed through uh, uh, and invited myself over. So tell us about where you are in the state. Where is Bend? Bend is just smack dab in the middle of the state. Um, it is called Central Oregon, and okay. it is definitely in the middle of the state. And you were telling me when we were on the tour that it's, you're in Zone 5. Ish. Yes, um, yes, and that's a push. I really uh, like to be on the safe side and get and stay four, okay. zone four. In, like in your choices uh, of plants and mm-hmm. that, yeah. Because they tell us that we can have a freeze any day of the year here. Really? Wow. Yes. Wow. And so you are, what is this, high desert, or what's this considered yes. geographically? Yes, high desert, definitely. Okay. Um, um, uh, high altitude with mm-hmm. the extreme, extreme temperatures. Extreme hot in the summer and extreme cold in the winter then. Right. Yeah. So what is Celebrate the Season? First of all, I love the name. It's it's so beautiful. Describe the business to people. Give us a snapshot. Well, I am a pop-up garden nursery. Uh, that is what I love to do. We invested in a covered trailer last year and so we can take our show on the road Hmm. um i am i love plants and i love unusual plants um so i don't try to compete with lowe's or home depot and i have things that um nobody else has right and so this pop-up uh nursery you're taking to uh other retail venues or what kind of places would host you well, we have done, uh, we did a really fun one at an antique shop, which hmm. was a really great fit. Uh, yeah, we, what a neat We fit. were just doing, I did demonstrations for plantings, and we would just find really funky little th- planters and, and uh, plant them up. Like what to do with that old copper pot you have, and Julie's going to show you how to make it into a container that's, garden. That's right. I love that. So wow. that was really a lot of fun. So we've done the antique shops, and there's another really 
um, great little shop here in town that's been here for a very long time called Pomegranates. And if you haven't been, you need to make a point to visit Pomegranates. It's um, a gift shop, but they have really um, unusual things. And they have a lot of European-style home furnishings and uh, different goods. But if you need a special gift, that's the place to go. So their customers are would value unique plants as well. They're yes. not looking for the like the six pack of geraniums. They're looking right. for something unusual. A little, and then you're telling a story when you're selling those plants. Absolutely. So that's one facet of celebrate the season. Um, what about the cut flower farm? Because <laughs> that takes up a so, lot of space here too. Definitely. Um, so the plants uh, that I tend to gravitate toward are flowering plants. Mm-hmm. And so the byproduct of those are lots of flowers. So right. like perennials, ornamental shrubs, primarily. Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. I do a few annuals, but that is not my, that's not my true love. Mm-hmm. Um, my true love are the ones that I can uh, really get established and then they're going to be uh, producing for a long time for yeah. me. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> so your plant obsession kind of fueled your cut flower business. That's exactly right. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said you're on about an acre here in Bend. Yes. Um, where you all, you and, and Dwayne also live here. Yes. Um, when people, how do people buy from you? I know you said the pop-ups, but what are the other ways that people will get the flowers from you? Uh, well, I do the CSA subscriptions and that's, we're in our second year for that now. Um the first year was very successful, but it was every week. And the general uh, consensus that I got is that they, the flowers that they had gotten the week before were still good. And so they lasted longer. Wow. And um, so I went to an every other week this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that seems to be uh, working really well for people. I like the way you um, market it on your um Maybe it was on your newsletter or on your website, but you have kind of like collections by season. And how do you yes. how do you break that up for like the whole summer you've broken up? Yes. So um, yeah, it is interesting because I really stretched that the the um, whole service this year from early spring, which I realized I had so many beautiful bulbs. I've invested in some really unusual uh, daffodils, and this. My front field is deer zone, mm. and so I can plant all the daffodils out there I want. Oh, that's right. It's outside the, the fence, right? don't bother them. And then the tulips have to go in in the back. They okay. have to be behind the fence because deer just love tulips. So but people are so hungry for flowers in early spring. That's probably mm-hmm. really popular. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the spring branches will have fl- um, flower- flowering branches and uh, so I, your hellebores, the hellebores. <laughs> yeah. They are just starting to bust out about then. Um, so we have beautiful, beautiful, um, bouquets for the spring collection. And then we go into the summer collection and then that's going to be the, the big, uh, that's when the roses are happening and the, the dahlias, the dahlias yeah. are starting and, um, and then we go into the fall and fall is the, the dahlias. And as long as mm. we have, as long as we don't have any, um, early frosts, we'll, we can really get good crop, mm. uh, good crop cover. 
When we were in your beautiful studio looking at just buckets of flowers that you had just harvested, I made a comment saying, oh, I bet you are growing 60 different varieties here. And you kind of laughed. What, how many varieties uh, do you think you have to, to play with? <laughs> do you have any idea? Uh, well. Or do you? Now, Dwayne's not here, so you can really tell us the truth. <laughs> I, yeah, because he's always telling me, no, you can't buy any more plants. No more plants. No, that's not going to happen, right? That's not going to happen. Um, well, so it's it's hard for me to say because just my hellebores, I probably have 30 varieties wow. yeah. of hellebores. Yeah, and you mentioned that to me with some of your key crops, like your lilacs and your mock orange and hydrangea. You have so many choices, even in the, those individual genus. Exactly. <clears throat> oh, we're um, talking over 100 easily then. Yeah, so I uh, definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, if I think... Easily, easily, I have 30 different varieties of hellebores, and I probably have, um, yeah, I, I'm in the hundreds. Yes. It's hundreds. But what what I noticed when we walked in the um, cutting garden area is, and we you commented on it, you, you have this beautiful tapestry of choices. It's not a, in some place, in some places you have single rows of snaps or whatever, but mainly there's so much abundance that you could just cut one stem of everything and have a bouquet and they all naturally look well together so or look beautiful together so it's more about your obsession with plants yes it is um um yeah i don't the production i do have a few things that are really my my go-to's the standard stuff that's that is my no-brainers and i can do the rows of those um and those are easy to harvest but uh in my garden i i want it to be comfortable I Mm. want it to be inviting and there it really is pretty thrilling to go out I might take a quick look at it and say oh I don't know what's out there to cut today I don't know I think you know I I lost that crop I think I'm too late on that one and I'll go out and I'll start cutting and all of a sudden I've I've cut like filled buckets buckets and buckets and buckets but there won't be I mean, I, I know you cut a huge harvest of lavender, so maybe that's an exception. But you won't necessarily have um, 100 stems of the same flower. No. And so that's, a, that's both a plus and a minus, I would say. Yes. So if I, uh, if I have maybe a florist that wants to order a certain, if, if they just want all white roses, um, probably not going to happen. Um, yeah. Maybe... In the future, because I'm still developing some of my roses, uh, and that's possible. But typically, it's going to be grower's choice. Yep. Um, it's going to be um, a variety of things. Or if someone said, Julie, I want all white flowers, you could definitely put a bucket together with yes. a beautiful you know, selection of... Yes, absolutely more than just textures different yeah Mm -hmm. all different types Mm -hmm. of and i do try to focus on um the colors that are popular the colors that the florists are the demand Mm -hmm. is there for um and it's always changing but then i also it's my preference too yeah i like that what i like so when did design become a big part of, of your personal practice? Um, you said you have, told me you had an art background. I can clearly see what an artist you are. I think we met up at, um, at a design workshop in Portland that May oh, Ash hosted. Did, that's right. Yeah, just the, when right. they did the, the design, I, yeah, I design stuff. I love 
the um, workshops. They uh, just really stimulate me to keep going and um, the creativity of it. Um, and I'm always ready to learn new techniques mm-hmm. and um, and I also enjoy teaching mm-hmm. and so that helps me be a better teacher. That's true <clears throat> because you are teaching some design workshops over and that over this yes the year you'll have different yes themes, right? and I've it's been mostly through the college I've had um, been teaching with the college for many years now. Um, it started with my husband teaching just gardening classes and classes about chickens, keeping chickens and, uh, all different kinds of subjects. So you guys are a known team here in Bent. Yes. You're the gardening couple. Yes, I, we are. And the college is called what? The college, the Central Oregon Community College. Um, it is the community learning department. So it is the. So you can develop it's the, the curriculum that you're excited about. Mm-hmm. And I do, one of my classes that, that is ongoing all the time is the cutting garden. And it's very popular that fills up right away. I usually end up having to do um, a second session because it, yeah. they get enough enrollment for a second class. Yeah. And people are looking to get your advice on what to grow, how to plan their cutting garden, and what choices to make. Yes. And then maybe they can come to your pop-up sale and buy the plants. Absolutely. I usually take a few plants with me to the to the classes, too. <laughs> if it's the right time of year. I love it. So um, when we, we were talking a little bit about some of the changes that you're trying to integrate into the business looking going forward, you still have... You're not done. You still have ambition on what else do you want to plant and what other programs or not products, maybe, or, or services you want to offer to... Yes. The customer base, right? Yes. And um, I love the pop-ups because they're uh, on my schedule and I don't feel so tied down and committed to um, a regular business hours. Like the retail grind. The retail grind. Which yeah. you have done in the past, right? I have yeah. done that, yes. Yeah. And um, it's really not my thing. I, I like the pop-ups too because they seem to be so collaborative with other other small businesses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. We did one at a uh, coffee shop and sisters that was really fun. It was really successful. I had no idea really what to expect, but the turnout was fantastic. Um, we do really good at our pop-ups. You know, what is also, I'm just thinking here about, we, t- you know, you make a big deal out of it. You make a splash. It's a sort of sell a party and you you know that it's been promoted by the host business. You show up. Everybody's so happy to see you. They, 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 they're in and out. They buy. It's not like standing at a farmer's market for six hours hoping right. to make a few hundred dollars. Um, not to take away from farmer's markets. It's just this is a good fit for you. It's a good fit for us. Um, I love doing it. I, I have a really good and faithful following. Uh, every time I do a class... I get people to sign up on my email mm-hmm. and then they're, they show up at my sale at the next time I have a sale, they're there and they'll say, I took your class and I learned I'm a following lot. You. And, <laughs> um, and so that has been really a successful, uh, business tool for me. Yeah. Uh, and my emails, I have fun with my emails and people will, I get comments from people. They say, um, I get your emails. Please don't ever take me off your list. Yeah. How many people ever hear that, right? <laughs> Usually it's like unsubscribe. 
Um, I receive your emails and I look forward to them because it just gives me a little slice of what you're into, like what might be blooming or what a special class you're teaching or what the pop-up might be. Um, it, it's a, they're not heavily, they're not text heavy. So maybe that's why, but you've built up this following of your, your tribe basically. Um, and so how, how big is that list? Is it mainly people in Bend? Obviously, um, I'm not here. Well, yeah, no. Um, I have, let's see, my email list is about 1,500, I think. That's fabulous. Yeah, but it's taken me years and yeah. years and years yeah, and years. Yeah, you've been diligent about it. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, and, uh, of course, they make it now that you really have to have permission. Right, you exactly. Really Can't just randomly add people. So, yeah, yeah I have... Um, you know, my email sign-up sheets, and then I keep that that's documentation. So those people are, are pre, they're, they're pre-inclined to want to read what you're sending Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because they've committed to signing, putting their name on the piece of paper and <laughs> giving me their personal information. <laughs> well, I think that's, it, it's just, I've been marveling just since I've been here for an hour or so, just at this balance that you've created between the plant business and the cut flower business. Um, I know a lot of florists, retail florists are going, um, in the direction of adding houseplants and tropicals, you know, into their retail spaces, but this is tapping into something different. This is tapping into that hunger for the students who take the cutting garden classes. And the, I think the other thing that's happening, we we all are seeing it, that independent garden centers are closing, um, all over the Pacific Northwest. So you almost have to be tapped into the nursery person directly to be able to buy these you know, most people don't have wholesale licenses, so how are they going to get their hands on this groovy stuff you've got? So you're you're filling a niche, and and it's it's attracting both the flower lover and the garden lover, and that's kind of a nice cross section to be it for you. Yeah, and what's good for me is that we are um, a zone five. Um, like I said, I do try to go for zone four because they're mm-hmm. we know they're they're more bulletproof. You'll be crying um, otherwise. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, because there's so many nurseries that don't cater to their customers that way. Mm, good point. They just bring in whatever is they got for cheap or whatever. And they don't really understand, um, our climate. And I have been growing flowers in bend for 40 years yeah yeah that's kind of crazy thing to put out there into the universe but well, it's true <laughs> right even before it was a business that was your personal garden. that was i've been growing flowers you, for 40 years and you mentioned to me who you're buying your wholesale um nursery product from yeah. and it's oregon and washington Absolutely. growers who yes. are already acclimated to the their plants are acclimated to this this environment. Yeah. And I usually, most of my plant material, my plant product that I get in, um, I keep it for a couple of weeks and I monitor it and I take really good care of it. And I give it a lot of love before I want to (laughs) have it go out the door. Um, and people, that's the first thing they will comment on at my pop-ups. They'll say, your plants are beautiful. Yeah. Your plants, you, you t- yeah, these you can't get plants like this at most nurseries. And I asked you if you brought cut flowers to the pop-ups and just to bring the cut flowers back into the conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and you said if you have them, you will, because sometimes you're sold out, right? Right, right. And um, yeah, if it, if it works out and if it's... Um, we have been 
considering insulating our little covered trailer. Okay. But so that's another piece of the puzzle that I don't feel good about. I don't feel good about hauling fresh cut flowers in 90 degree weather. Right, right. And having them sit at a venue right. for a few hours. Um Good and point. then they just don't hold. But if people then discover you at the pop-up and you say, hey, we've got a CSA, look for our mailing list, we're going to be doing signups, that you're going to capture them some way or the other. Yes. Yeah. And I really do love to have people come and get their flowers here at the farm because they can get a good sense um, and they can they can go out into the garden if they want to. They can go look and see. Um, I, I don't do you cut. I'm, I'm just... I love my plants too much. <laughs> I totally, I'm with you. I to, I mean, you were saying you don't even let your husband cut that often. <laughs> but your your the way you described it, your the health of your plants, I feel like is a very similar philosophy to how you're you mentioned how you're harvesting. So yes. the, that's why you have people not wanting to buy flowers every week because you're you're harvesting stuff that lasts for two weeks. Right. Good news, bad news. Right. 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 Yeah. Um, but neat. which what the way I do it with the CSAs is that I always I have a weekly pickup, but it's a different one. So I, they're rotating. Oh, so you're still harvesting every week. Absolutely, it's just different groups of people. Exactly. And what are you what are you roughly charging for the the CSA subscription? The CSAs are averaging about twenty dollars um, a pickup, and they get two big, full, jam packed mason jars, quart jars, full of the best. Out of the garden yeah, for the, this week. The best to celebrate the season. Absolutely. That's the neat. best that I've got. Wow. Well, I love what you're doing, and I'm so glad I finally got here to visit Yay! it. And I'm, I'm really <laughs> excited to see uh, your plant list next time I come with, and not fly. <laughs> I'll be buying from I know. you. That's, yeah. Well, that's what I have trouble with when I travel too. If I yeah, when you come to Seattle, we're gonna have to go plant shopping. Yeah, so we Dwayne and I went to Mexico. I don't know last year or whatever, and I I said, oh, I want to go check out a nursery. So we did. It's like we took the bus mm-hmm. and found the nursery, and it was so unique. And they don't have things in pots; they have things in plastic bags. Okay. So all their stuff is in plastic bags, and I was dying because they had the stuff that they had was just incredible it was so much fun um but i had to buy i couldn't leave without buying some plants and so i did buy a couple plants and took them back to uh, our hotel the desk manager uh I, <laughs> we had talked about and plants. offered to plant them I there said, no i just said here take these home and plant them oh you're so sweet <laughs> well what do you want to close with what 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 do you want people to know about you and and celebrate the season that we i haven't asked you oh let's uh well, uh, you know, I love what I get to do. I just love it. And um, Dwayne would kind of like me to take it a little bit easier. I just turned 64. And so, you know, it's it, we're starting to think about, um, you know, this. <laughs> you're going to be, whether you can continue to sell flowers to, to local customers, you're going to be, you're going to be tending to these beautiful flowers. I'm going to be growing flowers for sure. Until they no pick you up out I there and, and haul you away. Yeah. yeah. I'm with you. I want to, I want to, it's not work when you're so in love with what you're doing. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Deborah. What a pleasure to have you come and visit. Oh my gosh. And I have some really fun photos that we took um, between the raindrops that I will share at our show notes uh, uh, for this, for this episode at DebraPrinzing.com. So you can find and follow and stay in touch with Julie because she's on social media and 
She's posting some celebrate beautiful. Celebrate the season band. That's right. Thanks so much. Thank you. photos of Julie and Duane and find links to celebrate the season's social places in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. And thank you so much for joining me today. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 524,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. As our movement gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry, The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Longfield Gardens, which provides home gardeners with high quality flower bulbs and perennials. Their online store offers plants for every region and every season. From tulips and daffodils to dahlias, caladiums, and amaryllis. Check out the full catalog at Longfield Gardens. That's longfield-gardens.com. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers Podcast. Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging onto iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.